You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. All right, if everybody's here that wants to be here, this is the audience participation part. Oh, good. We actually, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions or comments about uh, the readings uh, we've had, this would be the time to do it. I was going to kind of open it up with an observation and maybe a question. It seemed to me like one of the themes that runs through um, both, I mean, both these it's funny. One one story ended with somebody flat on their back in a dream, and the other story started with somebody flat on their back in a dream. So it's like there was a nice segue there. But it seemed to me that one of the themes of this was people, um, not people versus their environment as as much as people versus their narrative. It was people mm-hmm. who were in, uh, the characters seemed involved as much in a narrative Mm-hmm. as in anything else. And I wonder if that's a characteristic of fiction in general, or is that just what you guys were dealing with, particularly your first one, uh, you know, about yes. the tears and stuff. Yeah, It's like, and I was thinking about a discussion, we were talking about Cecilia Holland that I had with, um, with her a couple of weeks ago, where she's talking about the shift that happened with the Renaissance, where people certainly, uh, and you as a scientist might, talk about this it's like all of a sudden uh, people always thought we were involved in a narrative that was being laid on the world and then all of a sudden they begin to think now wait a minute what if this is actually <laughs> really happening you know what if, yeah. what if if there's not just some narrative that rules all this but mm. so I'm just wondering how that relates to fiction I mean and um, that's a pretty vague question but it seemed to me like like everybody in your your Antarctica novel, not only because as a storyteller you have to pull all these stories together, but everybody is there because they have a narrative that they're playing out, mm-hmm. and they go there to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that how you see it? It is how I see it. I mean, I I feel like narrative is something that we as a culture now it's, it's it's getting they're getting it's slimmer and slimmer you know we're supposed to tell our stories in two words and um, I really love narrative and, and and I loved writing in Antarctica because I feel like you put these characters in this very stripped down spare place and actually a place that hasn't been interpreted that much compared to, at least in terms of human narratives New York I mean how many novels take New York oh my god over and over that place has been humanly interpreted so many times but Antarctica still there's it's sort of wide open about the stories that we can tell there so I feel like we can tell the stories of us as animals as you know actually um, earthly creatures there in this sort of basic way I don't know if I'm answering your question at all Terry but um, (laughs) that's why I really enjoyed telling these particular narratives in Antarctica because I felt like I could really strip them down to an essence um, about what I care about which is art creativity and and the scientific story and I don't think there's that big a difference between those two narratives the scientific one and the artistic one What do you think? Well, I think that telling narratives is part of being human. I think that's what, I think we all do that. We all have 
our stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, about our place in the world, about why it has to be this way, particularly the why it has to be this way. I'm fascinated with those stories, and I like to and I like to look underneath them. You know, I, I mean, that's I think I'd have to say that if there's something that's really consistent in the work that I'm doing right now, it's in questioning the assumptions that we make, and in a way, that's the that's narrative. You, you know, we we tell ourselves a story, men. You, you know, m men like sex. You know, sex is important to men, um, and 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 women have to kind of be, you know, convinced that that they want to do it. That's a narrative. You know, that's a narrative that positions sexual agency with one gender and removes it from another. And 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 so that's one example of the kind of thing that I like to take a I like to take apart and question and posit alternatives to. Mm -hmm. Huh. How do what? How do I do that? Well, I think, I actually, maybe I gave you two examples of how I do that tonight. You know, one was to take a look at how a society that was female dominant would work. You know? Um, what it would be like to be a, a man from that society and how the um, how social control would be maintained over men in a society like that. Um, and in Amaranth and Ash, I just screw with everything I possibly can. You know, I mean, I, I write across gender because it allows me to see things and feel things that, that I, I can't do when I write um, from a female point of view. So part of it is, um, you know, I, th I, th I think it's just crossing boundaries. And I think it's also telling the truth. I mean, <clears throat> just really, really focusing what are the true stories in your example about human sexuality, you know, the true stories about women's sexuality and men's sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and, and as a writer, to me, that's what's most interesting is trying to find those basic truths and telling them I think you will find yourself very much at odds with the publishing industry when you do that. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Allow me to say that. I agree with that. Yes. Allow because me to culture that. has this deep need yeah. to have the dominant stories told over and over yeah. and over and over again. And a lot of writers want to have, you know you, you know, you know, you can go with that and you will sell more books, or you can go with having fun by telling what you think are the truth. And it's, I think, even more fun. But it's, it's, it that there is it a comes there's a, a huge that comes at a price. It Thank does. you. And there's a big yes. friction there. Yeah. But it, it's what makes this work exciting. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. I think you, when you, when you set yourself against the dominant narrative that a culture is telling, you're, you're, you're really asking for it. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> yeah. and and you really, you really better be ready to get really creative about how you're going to get your story out into the world because um, traditional methods may not really be open to you. But the people who hear you, that's so satisfying because they're so right. grateful to hear the truth being told and yeah. their stories being told that I, aren't told, you know, in the New York Times bestseller lists and things. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, you were talking about Antarctica being this fresh place where, mm -hmm. and the one thing, I mean, uh, the thing, one thing uh, that struck me about um, um, the uh, Big Bang Symphony 
there's a lot of sex in this book. I mean, apparently all these people do it, but Murdo is, is <laughs> screwed. I mean, it's, but it's the thing that's missing is the gender wars because there yeah. doesn't seem to be a structure that it happens in. And a lot, a lot of times the, the, the women are aggressive and the men are soft. And, and it's not like, uh, I mean, you got the one where the guy doesn't show up, but there's the other where there, there's just the yeah. gender wars don't happen along the, the traditional pattern. And I guess what you're saying is the, the snow or the landscape where I remember they're looking out and there's nothing there. So that frees you from that. You don't have yeah. to play that thing. Well, there's two answers to that. One of that is, half of the answer is it's just me and that thing we are just saying about telling the truth because I don't think those stereotypes do play out in real life about who men and women are. So that's the kind of story I'm going to tell. But it is also true that Antarctica, um, what, what I loved about the place is the people who go there pretty much to a person are very passionate about their lives. I mean, to get there, it's so hard to get there. You have to be passionate. You have to try really, really hard to get there one way or another, to get those jobs and to be there. So these people are already eccentric, passionate, and usually people who know what they want that deeply are not people who are judgmental or worry about what other people are doing because they are so in themselves. So you have this whole community of people, of scientists, workers, people who know who they are, know who they want, and, and so there is a really, really a lack of judgment about, yeah, people's sexuality, who's doing what. It is also a situation where emotion is so intense that there is a lot, a lot of sex. People are really, like, intense there, so. Yeah, there's no movie. You know, what else you got to do, right? It's got to go somewhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I once actually interviewed, as a writer, I got to interview everyone, and I interviewed the guy who was, like, the clergy for all religions, I don't know, and he said all he does is counsel people about the affairs they're having when their <laughs> partners are left back because everybody oh gets there and just explodes. And, and you've yeah. been there three times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh. That's interesting. Well, I mean, that is one of the, I mean, you talk about it as publishing, as um, uh, as a restrictive thing that publishing does, but it's also one of the narratives that created literature is the the gender wars. You know, I mean, that's, uh, uh, also, although in many ways it didn't. Is the Iliad about the gender wars? It's about the war between the guys, but it starts with, I don't know. What about Maybe. Tale of Genji, right? I mean, that's popularly considered, uh, sometimes considered to be the first novel, Tale of Genji. Mm -hmm. Has anybody in the room read it? How gendered is that? Uh, it's all about gender. It's all about gender. Well, you know, it's all about the sexual There's, there is that, I mean, now we're, we're kind of veering off topic, but there is that tradition in Japanese literature of the women wrote these stories for each other. They, they basically, they wrote porn for each other. Yeah. Well, uh, that leads me to, a maybe this is off topic, but I think one of the sub-genres you work in is called M.M. Yeah, male, which, male erotic romance. Which is a little, I mean, it reminds me of the kids are all right, right? <laughs> I mean, the idea yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I mean, what's it's what's very that about? popular what's with lesbians? Um, what's that about? Well, you know, um, I think it's about a lot of things. Uh, I, I know it's about a lot of things for me, and I think it's about a lot of things for for other women who are into it too. Um, it is, in fact, an international uh, phenomenon. Um, you know, Japan has had a tradition. Um, 
for a long time of what they call uh, yaoi or boys sometimes. Yaoi is the sexually explicit material. Boys love is the more softcore stories, um, all stories about um, young, beautiful young men in love with other beautiful young men, um, all primarily written by and for women. And if you go into a bookstore in Japan, um, you will find a section there as large or larger than a traditional romance section in our country, all dedicated to boys' love. Um, and, 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 you know, there are, there is boys' love in Russia, there is Spanish male-male, it's, it's everywhere. It's all around the world. Women, like, women, a certain segment of women seem to be drawn to stories of romance between men. I think there's a number of reasons for this, and I think it may vary between people. For myself, my own, what I find is that the dominant explanation shifts over time. Um, so at times, it's, it's that um, um, I find that I can experience an entitlement to sexual agency that I don't feel as a woman. You know, when I, when I write from, when I, when I write MM, I'm writing about a man who, whatever his other problems may be, and I, and I like to write about really fucked up people, so they usually have problems. <laughs> but <coughs> whatever that happens to be going on with him, the question of whether he's entitled to go for his desire is never raised. It's just a given. And that's a way for me to experience that as somebody who I think perhaps my own sexuality is queer in the sense that I'm not a passive woman. I, uh, my sexuality is active. And that's been at odds with the n narrative of our culture for my entire life. Interesting. I mean, what you're saying is the, the gender war is left out. <laughs> exactly. It flattens. Writing from the male point of view and having two male characters in love flattens gender. Um, it's, I, my, my quick, my shorthand explanation is I love romance and I hate heterosexual power dynamics. <laughs> wow, interesting. What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, my experience of Lucy's work is uh, I've only read the one book, but yeah. as I know you as a lesbian uh, writer yeah. and, and a very explicitly uh, dealing with feminist and lesbian themes, and yet that's not really what the Antarctica book is about at all. Right. You know? And um, um, I don't know. I don't. I really like to integrate desire and sexuality in the rest of the narrative, to use that word. I mean, I, I actually had a phase where I was writing uh, erotica, and I, I really got tired of having that erotica and sexuality separated out from the rest of the story. So I really, really enjoy writing character sexuality yeah, as part of, you know, as mixed in with their creative expression mm. and even their scientific expression, whatever else they're doing. So huh. that's what I feel like I really was doing in, in the Big Bang Symphony. Well, people probably think that, that might think because I'm this old white guy from 
the South that I don't get any of this. And they're right. <laughs> and they're right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, um, oh, you get it, Terry. I think you do. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. But um, no, it's very interesting. Um, so, uh, so do you think, well, all right, what about, uh, look at what has happened to literature lately with, with the vampire novels and stuff. Now, that's just a rewriting of the gender wars, right? I mean, is, is or, or is it not? I don't know. What's going on with that? Vampires? Good God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm that, like, that one woman who likes men who doesn't get into vampires. I don't know. I just don't get I don't it. know. I haven't read any it vampire literature at all. I'm sorry. Well, it I was just trying to bring out. it back to yeah. Main, yeah. I mean, you guys are well, complaining about mainstream publishing. Are, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, vampires are bad boys. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways that's just the alpha male. It's another version of the alpha male story. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. With blood players. Yeah. Some people yeah. like that. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> I guess neither of us do, so you have to think of another yeah, topic. Yeah, we're not. Now. Well, I was just trying to bring it back to <laughs> yeah. mainstream publishing. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, mainstream uh, publishing right now is just all about very, very, very straight role. And even I mean, what's what bothers me is is stories like um, you know, like The Lovely Bones is a book that just drove me bananas. Did you read The Lovely Bones? Mm -hmm. You know, it's about um, it's a it's a rape narrative, but. It's supposedly as feminist, and so the point of view is like, oh wow, this is a feminist book about this woman who's been raped and goes through this whole tr traumatic story about it. But in fact, for me, what the novel really is, is replaying that rape over and over and over again. So I find that's, that to me is what's happening a lot in publishing now in terms of the gender wars and what's happening in terms of gender narratives is there's this, this pretending to have a feminist narrative and say, because we're talking about rape, it's feminist, but in fact, what they're doing is exploiting that scene over and over and over again. I mean, that's that's a really hmm. big example. That's but in much more subtle ways, I just find that over mm -hmm. and over again. So they you know, well, I you know, let me just b start by saying you know that a lot of people think I'm nuts, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I always think that 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 the motif to use that word and what. I hope isn't a belittling context, but the motif of women being raped is in and of itself cultural warfare against women. Mm -hmm. y you know, I mean, all of the serial killer movies and violence against women, I guess, in general, it's, it's, it's a dominant narrative motif. And I feel that, that it's used as a weapon. I mean, I feel like I've been hit with that enough. I have a personal rule and I'm really sharing with you guys. This is like major sharing. I don't usually tell people this. If anybody's going to be raped in one of my books, it's going to be a guy. Because I've just seen enough women raped in fiction. But is that a major theme? And I, the lovely bones, I agree. I, I thought, you know. But uh, what, what, what else do we have going on in? in fiction yeah, I'm not quite you sure. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of hesitating here because I don't want to call out authors, and um, but it is an interesting topic because I'm reading a book now by Antonia Nelson, who I respect a lot. It's very good writing. It's considered, a, you know, literary. Um, what is it? It's called Bound, and it's a wonderful novel. I'm enjoying it, but in fact, the main tension of the book is a serial killer, and this is, this is you know, it's like, that's okay. I mean, I can read a, it's not like I'm objecting to having a serial killer mm -hmm. in a novel. I can read it, but it's interesting to me that over and over and over again, the big books 
are having these themes of, yeah, this, to use your term, you know, the gender wars, these sort of very dominant, violent um, acts against women as, as the suspense. And her characters are feminist. Um, they're very interesting. It's a good book. But over and over again, I keep reading these books that are the big books of the year. And they, they have, they, to keep the readers hooked or to keep some group of readers hooked, there's, there's a serial killer through the whole thing. And it, I don't, you know, I just have to wonder what's going on here, you know? Absolutely. No, yeah. I don't think it's limited to literature by any stretch of the imagination. It's a big part of the culture. I mean, it's way, it's the way they, they control our movement. You, you know, I mean, they keep us in the house at night. We can't go any place alone, you know, after dark, whatever, you know. It's social control. Speak up. Can't hear you. Right. There's a lot of things a lot of women won't do alone. There's a lot of things I do alone that other women won't do because I just I just fucking refuse to be controlled that way. But see, the, and I think I there's also a difference a chance, between the real danger it. and the stories. So, yeah, I mean, right. There's that, there's that too. I go hiking alone all the time. I'm not afraid anywhere, actually. And I don't know that the danger that some of these dominant cultural narratives are putting out are actual dangers in real life with real people. Right. Which I get back to the story I'm trying to tell, like in the Big Bang Symphony, where I'm trying to present people, men and women, as I actually experience them, mm-hmm. which are not as dangerous, not as dangerous, scary people. So why are the people in power putting out these stories about, dang- you know, to really, really simplify it, dangerous men, vulnerable women, mm-hmm. when that's what, not well, what a lot of us experience in our lives. Yeah, and, and that's, course, that's a really big question to me. Mm-hmm. In the story, yeah, the question. dangerous men, the vulnerable women, but it, at, the, at the end of the story, the dangerous man gets punished, and the, you know, and so it's, that sort of makes it all right. It sort of washes it at the end. He right. Gets well, he gets, you, you know, know, I. But it's still the same. I agree with you. I notice. You know, I, 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 I've been aware of an arc in my own work where um, I, I started out writing about women who fought back, you know, and won. Um, and then after a while, I got sick of the necessity for fighting. And that's when I started writing about men. All right. What do you I guys think? think? That is a yeah, question. Anybody? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> They're scared. <Our> oversharing just <laughs> scares them. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm saying too much. <laughs> yes, somebody's got their hand raised. That's what you get for having drinks of these things. So, Anne, Jeff. I'm wondering, in terms of the, uh, the shifts that you were able to make in terms of uh, leveling the gender relationship. Yeah. Right, right. I, I get what you. Well, I, you know, I had, 
this is a you know this is an open um, debate with myself and and my editor, but I consider Amaranth and Ash science fiction, not not fantasy. Um, and and the reason I do is yes, it has this fantasy element that Vasai have these special souls that can heal people, but but every other aspect of this world is built the way I would build any science fiction world that I was writing in. Um, so in a way, I don't, I don't really feel like I, I went to fantasy um, in order to do this. Um, you know, what I, what I did was hop the gender line, and, um, and that's just different. I mean, I mean that's a process um, that I couldn't get where I wanted to go by taking a woman um, you know, who by default in our societies in the one, I talk about one down, one up, one down. You know, any power, any power dynamic has some, one person who's up, one person who's down. You know, one up, one down. Um, taking a woman who's um, by default in a one down position and putting her in the one up, you know, um, and I found that I couldn't really get where I wanted to go that way. I had to take a man who is by default in the one up and I, and I had to write about his weakness, and I had to write about his vulnerability. Um, and, and that got me to a place of a level of gender that I felt like I, I couldn't achieve in, by, moving, by moving counterclockwise, I had to go. I, by, by moving this way, I had to go this way. That doesn't make any sense at all. I had two glasses of wine, sorry. But it's very, very visual. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. It doesn't make any sense to anybody but me, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that was just actually not even a question. I mean, I used to, you know, I wrote FF. Um, you, you know, uh, my, first, um, my, first two, my first three books all have lesbian relationships. Um, and I, 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 definitely, you know, I definitely did that. And I mean, I, I keep thinking of Magnolia, who's the main character of my first novel. Um, and at the time I wrote that book, which was in the early 90s, you didn't have a lot of female protagonists who um, were, were violent, you know, who, who were physically aggressive, who, um, you know, who were ass kickers. I mean, I mean the, it's almost become kind of a stereotype now. Every action movie has that woman who, who is kicking ass, you know. Right. Well, but that was not the case at the time I wrote that book. Mm -hmm. And I did all of that. And, and, and what I found was I just, I got tired of having to fight. I got tired of having to fight in my life, and I sure as hell didn't want to write about it anymore. <laughs> what about this uh, Swedish girl who right? Well, that's well interesting. I, yeah. I think that's uh, Steve what's Larson. That and yeah. The, and the, yeah what's that I haven't read them, so I feel like I can't really say, but I suspect it's a lot like what I was doing. They're good books. I yeah. mean, I, I like them. You know, they're not. Yeah, I I'd be interested actually to hear what anyone else thought. But I mean, I I I enjoy them. They're well drawn characters and. You know, it's pretty. Um, well, what do you think? I didn't see the films. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, well, she's a she's a. Did you read the books? I read. Well, yeah. I've read uh, two of them. Two, two of the of three. Them? Yeah. Yes. I enjoyed them. I mean, I don't think they're like brilliant literature, but I enjoyed them. I thought the characters were well drawn. Uh -huh. I. 
you know, is it an example of what I was just talking about? It's a, it's a little bit different, although not entirely. There's this woman who has to fight for her life every second of the way between these very evil, I mean, from these very evil forces, which are all guys. So, I mean, again, it's sort of setting it up as this, again, this cultural story of the violent, violent male. and But in this case, then he's made this sort of violent female to counter it. Yeah. So is that better? I don't know. I guess in my world, it's not actually. I don't really need... A woman I guess I who wonder can... if they're like all steps along a path. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I guess the way I've experienced them has been through progression. Uh huh. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You start with the default story: the woman's victimized by the man. Right. Then the next step is the woman fights back. Right. Then the next step is the woman fights back and she wins. You know, right. and then I, then I think after a while you're and like, Steve why, Larson, why, she why, wins. Why the she hell does it. she have to fight at all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. why can't why can't it? And why just do we have to tell stories why about these monsters over and over and over again? Right. And I really, again, is that really our world? Are there all these monsters are out there? there? That we're, I don't think. So. I don't think there are. No, I, I don't think so. It's I mean, easy to control people. We have by Dick fear. Cheney, yes, and we have. Fear but, you know. is fear. You know, the easiest way to control people is just to make them scared. Yeah, but right. come on, yeah. writers aren't social workers. You're trying not. I mean, you write about stuff because it's exciting. You write. Well, we're trying. Well, no, yeah, you're I'm absolutely right. We're not social. I'm not doing it to save the world. I'm yeah. doing but it to, to save me, myself. the most resonating stories are the true stories. So, I'm more interested in reading a story that I f every sentence I mean, yeah, 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 as I read it, as opposed to woohoo, you know, I'm on a roller coaster. So. No. Yeah. No. No, I mean, I can see that, but I mean, that's. Uh, yeah, I I'm not quite sure what that means. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, um, you know, what makes it true? What makes it not true? That's it's an interpretation. I, I like to read novels that, when they're interpreting my world or a world, I either learn something new, or I'm reading an emotional truth or an intellectual truth that I that means something that, to me that helps me live my life that I hadn't thought of before that gives me pleasure because it's a <clears throat> an idea that. I like or that is new to me. Yeah, but how did, so so how does that work if you're reading the Iliad or uh, Macbeth or Jane Austen? I mean, I, it, I mean it's I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, to me, that's a whole other aspect of publishing. Now, is they have to claim it's true, whether that oh this is not made up, this is based on a true story. Oh no, that's, that, a, different well, that's, a, different that's a different kind of true. That's a different kind of true because I only write fiction. So. Let me ask this: if you what about what you'd call, I guess what you used to call mainstream, what about um, um, writers like uh, like Jane Smiley? Do you read Jane Smiley? Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. like, um, you do, you don't? No. You don't? I don't know. I haven't liked much of her last few books. Or Ann Tyler. Do you ever read I Ann? don't read Ann Tyler read anymore. Ann I've, I read Ann Tyler a long time I love ago. Alice Monroe. Yeah, you're talking love, literary, literary fiction. Well, I, like I mean, they're not. The Alison Rose <laughs> definitely literary. I'm just wondering, yeah. you know. I yeah. mean, it's certainly not what you call. Um, um, it's it's Alice Monroe's not even mainstream. It was certainly Jane Smiley's mainstream. No, well, Alice Monroe publishes in the New Yorker. Anyone yeah. out there read Allegra Goodman? Never. She's very interesting because she writes um, she writes fiction, but about scientific topics, and that's why I was curious oh. whether this audience is. There. Um, her What's book a scientific topic? <clears throat> well, in her book, Intuition, is fascinating. It takes place in a, in a lab, a biology lab. <clears throat> and the whole, there's a whole issue of has someone cheated on the data results. Uh -huh. um, it's fascinating. In the whole novel, you never quite, it's like all about 
what is cheating? I mean, it's not cut and dry whether someone has or not. Um, and she has a new novel that takes place in Silicon Valley that's not quite as good, and I forget. Oh, it's called the Somebody's Cookbook. Um, anyway, I just wondered. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Cliff. So, uh, both of you have written stuff that, in order to, uh, I think, to get at people and relationships between people, uh, you've separated those people from. Aspect of uh, our everyday existence. The uh -huh. readers presumably haven't been to Antarctica, uh, and certainly haven't been to your other planets or mm -hmm. or whatever. And mm -hmm. yet, you're trying to find truth about us. Mm -hmm. And in order to find truth about us, you have to go very far away and <laughs> us over mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk about distance and place in terms of approaching, you know, like creating your lab. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, that's a great question. I really like doing that, and um, I really enjoy thinking of people as animals on this planet, because we so often don't think of ourselves that way. We always think of ourselves as other. And I think when you can put human beings in another place like Antarctica, then we really are just, we're at our biological existence. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's actually right now my most favorite way of looking at people in a biological way. Who are we? just purely biologically in our relationship to each other and the planet. Except so we wouldn't be there if we were purely biological in Antarctica. But we are purely, well, we, we, well we're not native there, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, you know, the eucalyptus trees wouldn't be in Berkeley either. <laughs> right, but I mean, there's a, there's a, a vast cultural apparatus eucalyptus between trees. us right. and Antarctica, right. you know. Yeah, um, no, it's true, yeah. but we got ourselves there, yeah, and and it, it shows to me you can really look at who we are as a species when we get us outside of a context that we're used to. So I enjoy doing that. Well, the imagination is a playground. So fiction, you, you know, I mean, I, I'm really interested in, I, I really like the way you've used, if I'm understanding correctly, You've used Antarctica in a sense as a blank slate, mm -hmm. and people project whatever they're bringing with them onto it, mm -hmm. which I just think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And 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 perhaps in a in, in a in a in a similar yet different way, um, I create alternate. I create different kinds of societies as a laboratory in order to explore different kinds of dynamics between people, different kinds of power dynamics in society. So I, I got, you know, I didn't even really, I made Elise's matriarchal just because I had a patriarchal society already and I felt like there should be a matriarchal one, you know, in the first book. Then by the time I, you know, realized I had to write a second book, I, I, the most interesting thing to me was to write about a guy who came from that place. Um, so it's just, it's, it's all ways of taking, um, again, it's just, it's just taking apart the dominant cultural narrative and rearranging it. It's just, it's just rearranging it. You're just, you, you know, I mean, I'm perhaps a somewhat cynical person so I always think somebody's going to have power over somebody. 
who is it this time and what makes that different and to me that's just interesting I feel like I I feel like I learned things that way you know and I liked what you said about you read things because they help you live your life mm -hmm. I feel that that's what I do too you know you know I read I know that the stories I'm drawn to I'm drawn to for a reason and it's because whatever is at heart in that story whatever is essentially you know essentially at issue is something I'm trying to figure out too and I think that's really what I mean to me that's what fiction does I mean it does different things to different people but but to me fiction is is how you learn how to navigate life anyway you know by example you see how these people handled a similar problem Cool. We'll take one more question. <laughs> I was only kidding. Um, <laughs> we all right. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, this is SF and SF. I want to thank Lucy Bledsoe and Ann Harris. And um, that's it for this evening. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.